I'm Talib Bizram, and this is World Changing Ideas from Fast Company Magazine, where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues. Last week, Andrew Yang released a book about his ideas on transforming our political and economic systems. Yang is most well known for popularizing the idea of a universal basic income, but it's a concept that's been around for centuries, and now it's having a moment again, even on the local level. A Pew Research poll found that only a slim majority of Americans would oppose a nationwide universal income program, but a majority of young people, 18 to 29, would support issuing $1,000 monthly payments to every citizen. In light of this, we thought we'd revisit an episode from earlier this year where we covered a similar topic, guaranteed income. In July, I spoke with Mayor Sambal Siddiqui of Cambridge, Massachusetts, and former Mayor Michael Tubbs of Stockton, California, about their participation in Mayors for a Guaranteed Income. MGI is a network of mayors that advocates for direct, recurring cash payments to ensure their residents can have an income floor. Here are Siddiqui and Tubbs discussing some of the advantages and the history of guaranteed income. Well, I think there's just so many limitations in our safety net and the different requirements. You know, they don't necessarily invest in individuals to really propel them forward in their work or life trajectories. We make it really onerous to sign up for benefits. And I mean, this is not a replacement, you know, it's additive, but I think our current system, you know, is not really doing everything it can. And in particular, as I've said, it's just really onerous on our families. And so I think this concept of a guaranteed income, no strings attached, you're putting faith in your families. We know they have the agency to do what they want with cash. Yeah, and just to build on that, I think that as the mayor said, it's we view this as strengthening the safety net because the safety net has holes. One of the big holes is that there's a whole group of people, and I know this group of people well because they were the majority of my folks in Stockton who are working hard but still struggling. But they make a little bit too much for any of the existing programs, but they make too little to be comfortable in middle class and they're stuck in this purgatory this economic purgatory. And I think the guaranteed income helps address them as well, because we know that it's not just people in extreme poverty. There's one in two Americans are one paycheck away. I think that the second thing is also, as the mayor said, a guaranteed income in our mind is more about an assets-based approach to our constituents and a deficit-based approach, meaning that instead of saying, oh, we don't trust these people, so this money has to go to milk. So I guess that the argument is that if someone needs help with housing or help with milk, they probably have other needs as well. That, that There's not just one thing that, that people need. And a guaranteed income gives people the flexibility to address all those needs because there's some things that no government program could come up with. Right. Do you have any Republicans on board in the coalition? I am working. So if you know any, let them know Trump isn't president <laughs> no more. We hear the Senate talk about bipartisanship. I've been working, working, working on it. But I think um, part of it, which is interesting to me, because part of it is like Republican voters like checks too. Like look at all the polling data, even the majority of Republicans are supportive of stimulus checks. Majority of Republicans are supportive of tax credit. Um, So just got to get the Republican leadership. But that's why mayors are important, because if it's going to happen in a bipartisan way, it's going to happen with mayors. And I would say 
when we first launched last year, we received a unanimous vote from the U.S. Conference of Mayors to pass a resolution in support of the guaranteed income, and that included Republican members. So there is some Republican support. Maybe I'm just a little bit too crazy, so I don't want to be too closely affiliated with me. But but we're working to get them on board because we need their constituents in the fight in poverty as well. Well, because this isn't a new thing, right? This has actually been talked about since the 1700s, since the start of the country. It might surprise people that Richard Nixon was on board um, in some form. Can you talk a little bit about you know the history and and I guess one of the biggest proponents was MLK. Yeah, so Thomas Paine and there's I'm, I'm gonna leave a bunch of people out, but sure, Thomas yeah. Paine in the late 1700s and the Graham Revolution was talking about hey in this society we're generating so much value, particularly because they had like sources of free labor, aka slavery. But we need to have some sort of like, there's no excuse for anybody to be poor. And that was in the late 1700s. Dr. King in Where Do We Go From Here, his last book, talks about sort of a guaranteed income. And that book was instructive because when he wrote the book, there was over 200 protests in this country around racial violence, around racial inequality. And that was sort of the inspiration behind Marriage for Guaranteed Income, which was founded two weeks after the murder of George Floyd as a response to what we were seeing in our streets in terms of people protesting, not just the violence of racism, but the violence of poverty, et cetera. But, but since then, like, Folks like Sarah Palin in Alaska, like her, she was so popular as governor of Alaska because she increased the Alaskan Permanent Fund, which is this yearly check people get just for living in Alaska from the oil revenue. And she increased it. And that's literally how she became a vice presidential nominee. But her approval was through the roof because who knows? People like receiving money and being able to do what they want in it. And then in the, I mean, not just Dr. King, the Black Panther Party, the National Welfare Organization, but even folks like, I mean, Milton Freeman approaches it from a different sort of angle, but even folks like that are at least on board with trusting people with cash. I think the biggest difference we see is whether we want to get rid of everything and give everyone the same. Or do we want to build up our existing social safety net? Or do we want to focus on ending poverty versus focus on sort of ending the welfare state? Uh, on that poverty note, do you think there's a parallel between these pilots and the New Deal? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I probably got the history wrong, but what's interesting is that a lot of the, some of the New Deal policies that FDR created were first piloted at a local level. Like the city of Milwaukee had this amazing mayor who was piloting things like unemployment insurance and other socialist things that ended up being the foundations of the New Deal. And particularly in COVID, we saw that our 2020 pandemic response was based off kind of 1930s radicalism. Like literally the whole COVID-19 response was unemployment insurance. <laughs> We're going to increase unemployment insurance. And that's dope. But it's 2020, so I, I really do believe we have to update our models beyond the 1930s understanding mm. of how the economy works and what people need. So I do think this guaranteed income is our New Deal moment. It's our way, as we always do as a country, when there were times of crisis, we summon our better angels and move forward in a way that reflects an evolved understanding of what we can do as a country to provide for our folks. That's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to World Changing Ideas wherever you listen. If you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. World Changing Ideas is produced by Avery Miles.